0: So that was the sound that greeted me as I left my hotel on the 1st of August in central Harare. The day had started fairly quietly, but there'd been demonstrations outside the headquarters of the opposition party who said that they'd would uh, they been robbed, that, that uh, the election had been rigged. So I stayed there. I then followed the crowds as they moved around that day. But it was lively but fairly good-natured. So at lunchtime, I went back to the hotel, I got a sandwich, and then... I heard reports of a bit of rioting downtown so I asked my fixer just to sort of check it out and see what was going on and to get back to me if it was worth me heading back out or not Um, which he did he sent me a message saying yeah they're coming I wrote back saying who's coming and he said look outside and I looked outside the reception of the hotel and there was big groups of mainly young guys sort of smashing up the street taking rocks and pieces of wood and you know clearly tooling up for a fight so being a typical and slightly stupid TV news cameraman probably like most of you guys listening I grabbed my camera and I went out there I found a reporter colleague and my fixer Um, and we said right let's go check it out so we followed around the corner and as we got there I heard pop 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 sound of gunfire and so my initial reaction was, shit, this is, this is getting serious. I need to get shots of this because I didn't know if this was happening elsewhere in Harare. I didn't know if other colleagues were filming it. So I thought, right, I best, I best try and capture this. After we heard that sound of gunfire, there was just sheer panic all around me. People running, uh, minibus taxis screeching past really fast. I mean, it was lucky nobody got killed just by them going too fast and running somebody over. I started filming. I got overexcited. I headed towards the noise, looked back, realized that my colleagues uh, were a bit more sensible than me and weren't quite as quick to come running forward. And, you know, kudos to them for that. Um, So I went back and I I said to the fixer, I said, look, stay with the reporter uh, who was a lone female. I didn't want her being left on her own in the middle of this crowd. I said, stay with her. I'll be back in a few minutes. Let me go and see what's going on. So I went around the corner and I was just sort of met by this crazy scene of hundreds and hundreds of guys throwing stones at a building that I then was to discover was the local Zan- ZANU PF office in that area, close to the bus station. And they were smashing this place with stones, big stones as well. You know, the windows were being smashed. And the people who were firing the guns were obviously the police guard for that ZANU PF building, which I was to see shortly. So anyway, I started inching forward, inching forward. People wanted to talk to me, so I got some sound bites, you know, of them saying, uh, you know, they stole our vote, we're angry. What's happening, tell me. These guys, they are busy shooting, you know, they want to provoke the people, they, been, they want to kill the civilians What we are busy on the match. We're fighting for our rights here. We're fighting for our rights. And then a a lorry load of riot police came by and I thought, oh, this is it, they're gonna get off and smash the crap out of these guys, but they didn't. They just kept on rolling and people were throwing stones at them and jeering them, but they did nothing, they just kept on going. So I got shots of that. And then someone said, they've shot one of us, they've shot one of us. And I said, where? And so the guy said, come, come. So I went close to where the Zenupief office was, close to, well, probably 50 meters from the main entrance. And I could see the police guards there with their AKs and they'd still been firing. And then I saw this sort of uh, guy in a red T-shirt with dreadlocks just lying there um, in a pool of blood. And I got a couple of shots And suddenly I realized everybody was looking at me and nobody knew what to do. And there was that sort of sickening realization in my stomach that, oh shit, I'm the only person here who probably has the slightest clue how to do any sort of first aid. Um, So let me play you the tape of a little bit of the conversation and just to give you a sense of the chaos that was going on around me. And you can hear the stress in my voice. I don't know how clearly you'll hear it. Um, But let me play it for you. So I'm not sure how much of that you could make out. But essentially, I was saying, where's he hit? Where's he hit? And I looked down, I lifted up his t-shirt, and you could see a, a bullet wound in his abdomen, his lower right hand side of his abdomen. Um and it was a very clean wound, and there was just a little sort of round white uh entry point, and the white must have been the fat, I guess, from his abdominal wall. Um But I was I was a bit dumb and I'm I'm mad with myself because Clearly there was a big exit wound at the back, hence the puddle of blood he was lying in. But I became so fixated on this abdominal wound that, uh, you know, you hear me on the tape saying to someone, give me your t-shirt, give me your t-shirt, because I didn't have my first aid kit with me. Usually I'd have field dressing, tourniquet, I didn't even have gloves, although subsequently I discovered I did have gloves in my bag, but in in my stress I forgot about them that would have helped I think if I'd have put the gloves on I'd have been a bit more hands-on but I was a bit nervous you know the first rule of first aid is well the first rule is don't become a victim but the yourself but they always say put gloves on before you do anything else and I didn't realize that I had some gloves in my bag so I didn't put them on which made me very nervous about getting too physical with the guy um, but anyway I said to one of his friends I said quick give me your t t-shirt I said it slightly more aggressively than that. I was very stressed. So the guy took off his T-shirt, gave it to me. I folded it up. I pressed it against the wound in the abdomen, but I didn't do a proper secondary check, which I should have done. And if I'd have had gloves on, maybe I might've had the the strength of mind to do. But clearly the wound he was bleeding out of was at the back and I didn't treat that. And I feel really stupid and really angry about that. Angry with myself. you know and and i i don't think i could have saved the guy's life but you know at least i feel i could have done a little bit more anyway so i i put i pressed that onto the wound now even i'm a bit confused as to ha- exactly the timing of what happened even listening back to the rushes i can't quite tell and then at some point during this i stood up and i came between the rioters and the police and sort of gave the prayer gesture know as if to say please you know don't shoot we're trying to help this guy and in fairness to them while i was there with with this guy nobody shot at least not that i'm aware of anyway not that i heard and not that i could hear on the rushes so fair play to the zimbabwe police you know they didn't shoot at me or anyone else while we were trying to give first aid to this guy literally right under their noses probably less than 50 meters from the firing position maybe 30 meters Anyway, so I sort of um, messed around trying to apply pressure to this guy's wound. Then I, I remember suddenly realizing, you know, no one's talking to this guy. And I was like, talk to him. And you could see people looking at me like, talk to him, what for? But I was just, talk to him. And then I suddenly thought, what are we doing? We're right under the noses of these guys who have just shot him. Uh, The firing could open up any minute and we're sat here messing around, um, patching up a wound and doing a pretty bad job of it. And at that point, I, in fact, looking back at the rushes, I walked off over to the wall nearby and I got shots of the police guys pointing their weapon right at me, which, looking back with hindsight, is very creepy and I was very, very lucky that they didn't shoot because they were clearly lining up their rifles right on me. I then went back to the injured guy and at that point said to them, look, you've got to get him out of here. You've got to get him to a hospital. Um, You know, the, the guys then started dragging him away. I mean, I should have said that straight away. I mean, there's so many lessons learned for me and hopefully for you from this situation, which we'll go through in a minute. But anyway, so I said, yeah, you've got to get him out of here. You've got to get him out of here. So they started dragging him away. Turns out there was a clinic not too far away. And my colleague went to that clinic later that day and was told that the guy had died. Now, I've never been able to find out if he's one of the official dead. I've never been able to find out his name so you know I still hold a slim chance maybe he survived but the way his eyes would had rolled back in his head and the amount of blood he was lying in I'd be pretty surprised you know a gunshot wound to the abdomen I've subsequently found out is unless you get to a good hospital quite quickly it's pretty likely to be a death sentence so anyway from there they started dragging him off I realized I had these really powerful shots and I had to get out of there and get back to the hotel and feed these shots, um, sort of tell the world, you know, what I'd seen. At this point, I didn't know that there had been other shootings across Harare, and that this wasn't an isolated incident. So I started running back through um, this rioting crowd, and a really bizarre thing happened. I mean, have a listen. <laughs> So that's basically the sound of everybody cheering me, which was the weirdest thing. And I don't think they were cheering me because they'd seen me trying to give first aid to their colleague. I think they were just randomly cheering the sort of the the foreign dude with a camera. Um, And then to add to the uh, madness of the moment, some guy tried to hug me. And as he did so, he put his hand in my pocket, thinking my wallet was there. It was actually just a notebook. Tried to pull it out. I grabbed his hand and I just remember going, fuck off, get the fuck away from me and he sort of ran off and i ran off in the other direction back to the hotel to feed um a little bit shaken up at this point so as you can imagine it was a pretty crazy day i did a bit of a rough cut edit fed those pictures to london uh, and and they were they ended up being used quite extensively across the bbc um including in in the bbc's 10 o'clock news package on bbc1 that night but all in all it was a bit of a crazy day and i thought it was worth recording this podcast one just as a cathartic experience for me, but two, because I thought there's a lot of lessons learned from this that could be could be useful for you. Um, and hopefully if I ever find myself in a similar situation again, could be useful to me. I mean, the first thing is, um, probably wasn't the wisest move to go running off on my own, but it was either that or drag the fixer away from my uh, reporter colleague who, um, possibly isn't as comfortable in that type of environment as I am, hasn't seen it as many times and that's no disrespect to to her but you know it's just it's just a fact I'd rather the fixer stayed with her than came with me um, but yeah with hindsight I probably shouldn't have gone running off on my own into the middle of that but I was quite confident, I felt very confident. Um, you know, so then the second mistake I made, looking back at the rushes, and with a Royal Marine friend of mine told me, having seen it, was cover is your friend and I wasn't taking cover. I mean I nearly got smashed with stones at one point, although I think that was bad aiming on the part of the rioters rather than me particularly being in the wrong place. Um but I should have, you know, made more of an effort to keep to walls, you know, try not to just sort of amble down the middle of the street like a bit of a a bit of an idiot, really. Um So that was an important lesson learned, you know, stay behind cover, look for cover, look for the natural cover on the street. Don't just sort of walk down the middle of the street hoping that you don't get hit by anything. Um, In terms of treating the casualty, well, looking back, I mean, everything I did was a mistake, really. You know, people keep telling me that, you know, it was good of me to try and that I should be proud of myself. And in some ways I am. I mean, you know, I'm glad I did something. I think I'd feel much worse if I'd done nothing. But with hindsight you know I wish I'd have had my med kit on me not that I think it would have saved his life but I could have done more and felt you know felt like I'd made more of an effort um I should have you know when I'd seen the initial wound done a proper secondary survey found the exit wound focused maybe on plugging that before doing anything else and the first thing I should have done actually say said where's the nearest hospital or clinic let's go and just sort of gone with the guy, you know, plugged the wound and gone with them to take him to the hospital. Instead of staying and playing on the scene, we needed to get out of there really. Um, And that's a big lesson learned for me with hindsight. You know, don't stay and play, you know, scoot and run as the ambulance crews would say. So yeah, big lesson learned. Uh, I didn't check for an airway. I didn't even check the guy was breathing. You know, so lots of lesson learned there. And and if if you guys haven't done a lot of first aid training, I highly recommend it because I have done a lot of first aid training and I still fucked it up. So my advice would be do your first aid training, do some more, practice it, and even then don't expect it to really work when the shit hits the fan. Um, But it's better than nothing. And hopefully you'll retain more than me and maybe not be quite as stressed in that situation as I was. Um so that's that's kind of the lessons lessons learned really. And I mean just to give a bit of background, I'm not new to this type of environment. You know, I've been I've been a news cameraman uh internationally since 2005. You know, I've been doing it since 2002, um but internationally since 2005. And you know, I've worked extensively in Afghanistan, Iraq, Somalia, uh Gaza, Ivory Coast during the war there, Kenya during the post-election violence, which was quite a similar situation actually. And I also got caught in a shooting there too. Although at that time I was behind the police, so I was in a much safer position. Uh, someone was killed on that day. In fact, a few people were killed on that day as well. So this isn't a new situation to me. Uh, Libya as well, I was there. I saw a lot of people killed in Libya. I think the difference is in all of those situations I've been in before, there was always a medic, a local doctor, someone else on the scene to deal with it. I think this is the first time I've suddenly looked up and realized, shit, I need to do something here. And I was forced to put the camera down and actually do something. Which, you know, with hindsight, I guess I am proud of, actually. I think, um, you know, the cameramen who keep filming in that situation and don't stop and try and help need to maybe take a, a, a longer look at themselves in the mirror. And I'm not judging them, I'm not being critical... But I think there does come a point where you have to ask yourself, am I just a bystander observing or do I actually need to try and help here, you know? So I feel that that was a test of my, um, what would it be? I don't know, but I feel that I did the right thing. I didn't do a particularly good job of helping the guy, but in my own heart, like morally, I feel I made the right call. So that certainly helps and makes me feel better about the whole situation a lot of people were concerned about me afterwards you know wondering if if it's going to have any psychological impact on me it's been about two weeks now I don't think it has I feel very relaxed talking about it um, I'm not you know waking up in hot sweats or having nightmares or anything like that I'm still annoyed with myself that I didn't do a better job but I don't think it's gonna lead to any long-term issues. I mean, I'll keep you guys informed and I'm happy to talk about it if that changes. But at the minute, I feel very at ease with the situation. I feel I did what I could and I'm very, very sorry for him and I'm very sorry for his family. I wish I could have done more for him, but that's as far as, you know, I don't feel guilty. I don't feel it was my fault um, or anything like that. So I don't think I'll come away from this any worse aware mentally. Uh, and I hope I hope that's a correct assessment on my part, but look guys, I just thought it was important to talk about this stuff, um, get it off my chest as much as anything, but also share the story with you and uh, maybe you'll take some lessons learned from it, and if you've not done much first aid training, please take my experience as the catalyst to go and do so. All right guys, well I think that's enough for today, we'll keep it quite short and sweet, but do contact me if you've got any feedback if there's anything you want to talk about if you want to come on the show and talk about something similar that happened to you or you know crazy situations you want to talk about and get off your chest do let me know i'm on twitter and instagram as at image junkies with an ies that's all one word image junkies um you know i've got my website imagejunkies.net just just reach out if you want to talk or if you want to even go on the show and talk about it let me know All right, guys, take care, all the best, and speak to you soon.